Tuesday at 3, which is Voices from the Front Lines, your national movement-building show. My name is Eric Mann. You're on KPFK 90.7 FM in Los Angeles. I'm going to start by thanking D'Angelo Jones, so I don't always have to end by thanking him because we appreciate the work you do and uh, appreciate Channing Martinez, uh, co-host, producer, organizer with the Strategy Center. Hi, Channing. Hey, everyone. So, Marcy, are you on? I'm here, ready to go. See Thank that? You for look look here. at that energy. See that? Uh, that's my friend, Marcy Winograd, uh, one of the more interesting people I know. So, I just called her, hey, Marcy, you want to come on the show? What's on your mind? I'm going to quote you if that's okay. So, she says, The recall Newsom is not perfect, but the alternative is Trump elder. A lot's at stake, particularly with environment, death penalty, privatization of schools, control of the Senate if Feinstein resigns. Sometimes Biden sounds like he's in code pink, which I am. Then the same old hawk when he pivots to China and insists on denying aid to Afghanistan facing a humanitarian crisis in the making. And the uh, bio, which I didn't want people to know, is Marcy Winograd, I didn't know, former KPFK news director, I do know coordinator of Code Print Congress, co-founded the Progressive Caucus of the California Democratic Party. Marcy blogs around militarism and foreign policy at laprogressive.com, co-chairs the End Wars and Occupations team for Progressive Democrats America. One good thing is you have a lifetime position there uh, if your job is to end wars and occupations. And, uh, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> unfortunately, right. And she also ran, this is me, two impressive campaigns for U.S. Congress. Uh, I also want to go on. Channing Martinez will talk about his work with the Police Free Schools L.A. Coalition, which worked to defund uh, the Los Angeles school police by 35% and move funds to black students in schools. Uh, and he'll go on to talk about what's going on on the board. Um, I just want to open with uh, an important quote of, I've been working with China's Not the Enemy and learning a lot from them, and I'm close to writing something about China from my own point of view, which would be similar. I just want to read an amazing quote uh, in this amazing article called uh, In Monthly Review by John Bellamy Foster, which I read several times already, The New Cold War in China. It's chilling to listen to Biden and Blinken and just threatening going to meet with China and just threatening them. You know, it's not a diplomatic meeting. And the Chinese replied as follows. Uh, we, we do not believe in invading through the use of force. This is China talking to Biden. Or to topple other regimes through various means. Or to massacre the people of other countries. The United States has exercised long-arm jurisdiction and suppression and overstretched its national security, the use of force or financial hegemony. And this has created obstacles for normal trade activities. And the United States has also been persuading some countries to launch attacks on China with regard to Xinjiang, Tibet, and Taiwan. 
These are an alienable part of China's territory. China is firmly opposed to U.S. interference in China's internal affairs. We have expressed our staunch opposition to such interference, and we will take firm actions in response. Um, at one of the great Voices shows, my friend uh, Ayuko Babu from the Pan-African Film Festival was talking about our mutual great respect and admiration and affection for the People's Republic of China. And he did a, a long um, talk about China's very progressive role in Africa right now, contrary again to slander. They are moving substantial funds to the China, to the African people in Kenya. They're doing development projects. They're always being accused of everything under the sun, including uh, usurious loans, which are not true. He even pointed out that half the time they forgive the loans anyway if the country can't pay it. So we're going to do a lot of work here on voices about stopping the U.S. war against China that's already happening. It's not even, unfortunately, stop it before it happens. So we'll come back to that. And Marcy, I know as you can maybe even respond for a minute to that. And then let's get to today's vote, because you still have about five hours to vote, and to talk about the recall. But why don't you tell us, just respond a little bit to that opening statement, and we'll go from there, Marcy. All right. Well, first I want to thank you and Channing for inviting me on Voices from the front lines. I'm really honored to be with you today. And, and I, I really feel very grateful to you for all the work that you both have done to defund the police in our schools, uh, to make the schools really safer. Uh, I've taught in LA Unified for 25 years, and I always felt that the best protection for our students was community building in the school itself, you know, yeah. stopping bullying and uh, telling, telling somebody in authority uh, if uh, somebody had a weapon. Yeah, which has happened, or if there was a problem. Anyway, uh, in terms of China, you know, I appreciate No, first of all, thank you. Not anyway. That's, <laughs> thank you for saying that. You can continue that. But thanks a lot. And now let's go to China, and then we'll go to the recall. Okay. Just for a, for a little while on China, uh, I appreciate you working with uh, Code Pink's China's Not Our Enemy campaign. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm not sure why Biden is continuing Trump's bellicose language on China. As I said, as you mentioned in the opening, there are times when I'm listening to Biden, I think, is he, is he in code pink? I mean, he's talking about the waste of money on, in Afghanistan, the, the lives that were lost. He, I see pictures of him sitting alone. I hear all of these uh, uh, pundits on CNN and other MSNBC who are really we're cheerleaders for the invasions, being recognized as experts, like we should listen to them. And I see Biden as isolated. Uh, and yet, just when I'm thinking, well, maybe he's had a revelation, he might pivot and say, well, we need to do this so we can, we can focus on China. And, uh, and that's something that, of course, we have to really push back on. And, you know, it's not just Biden. I mean, we have in the Senate uh, two committees, the Senate Foreign Relations Committee and the Senate Armed Services Committee that are dominated by warmongers, hawks. Uh, Jack Reed from Rhode Island is one of the worst. He chairs the, the Senate Armed Services Committee, which voted almost unanimously, except for Elizabeth Warren, to up yes. Biden's requested military budget by $25 billion. I saw that. It's already billions more than Trump. You know, and then in the House Armed Services 
we have Adam Smith, who's sometimes hawkish, sometimes not, who opposed the increase, but there were 14 Democrats who joined with the Republicans to affirm that increase. And not only that, you know, you know, we, we have bills in the House and the Senate, the Eagle Act, the uh, Innovation Act that would fund more missiles to Taiwan and, and build up the military in the South China Sea. So on the one hand, you know, Biden's talking about peace and finally for ending these forever wars. And then on the other, yeah, funding, uh, funding and affirming this military buildup in the South China Sea. So it's a very strange time. And I have to say that I read this article that just blew my mind today in the Washington Post. It was a synopsis of Bob Woodward and Robert Costa's new yes, book, Carol, which I've got to read. And it talks about Mark Milley's chair of the Joint Chiefs of Staff and how freaked out he was during the waning days of the Trump administration and how he was in constant contact with his counterpart in China saying, we're not going to attack you. And if anything like that is in the works, I will let you know uh, how Milley, who's no dove, uh, he called a meeting of his senior officers to say, look, if this guy, Donald Trump, tells you to launch nuclear, uh, launch a nuclear strike on China, you need to talk to me first. Do you understand uh, Biden saying in the book, the military is not going to F around with me if there's pushback on withdrawal from Afghanistan. So there's so many different uh, voices, you know, within the establishment that it's hard to know. It's really quite dizzying. But what we do know is that it's so important right now for us to push back hard on this pivot to China. So just for a minute before I go to the other one, so the, ga- the, the game show I'm working on, I realize – Jeopardy may not be the right form for it because they, you know, so that you had a lot of questions. So in my game show, it's it's really good because there's only one answer. There's always one right answer, which is it's the U.S. imperialist genocidal white settler state. Why did Biden do this? Because it's the U.S. imperialist genocidal white settler state. Why is Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton take away uh, welfare as we know it, and imprison all the black people. Because um, it's the U.S. imperialist genocidal white settler state. After a while, you get to realize you're going to always win the quiz because you're asking, why is Biden doing this? And then he's doing that. And I, you could repeat the answer eventually, Marcy, and you'll just be one of the game show winners, right? Because it is. I don't want to win that game show. Well, no, no, it is. See, because that is the answer. See, that's yeah. the answer of what the problem is. That's not the answer to the solution. So let me go on, if you don't like the game show, but seriously, because I think that is important for people to know that why are there a million black people in prison? Why do they, you know, when we bring the tanks into the, when the government brings the tanks into school, people go, I don't understand. Why would they do that? And my answer is, because it's the U.S. imperialist genocidal white salad state. And after a while, that was our answer in the 60s. That was the answer to the question. Now, the question of what you're going to do about it, I want to say something very positive. Um, many of the countries that the United States has invaded had no capacity to retaliate. Even Vietnam uh, did an amazing, amazing job of raising the cost to the United States of the invasion. But the United States paid virtually nothing for that genocide. Let me tell you something. The People's Republic of China is not going to take this lying down. 
neither is Russia, and neither is half the world. So if the United States wants to have a war with China and blow up the whole world, I'm happy to say China's not going to put up with it. That's what they're saying back to the United States. Don't you bully us. We're not some other countries that you can get away with this. We have nuclear weapons. We have an alliance with, with Russia who also has nuclear weapons. We are just simply trying to be countervailing forces to you. That's all we're asking for is for you to stop being the U.S. imperialist genocidal white settler state. Since you can't, as I explained, this is the Chinese speaking, uh, we do not believe in invading through the use of force or to topple other regimes through various means or to massacre the people of other countries. It ends with, we have expressed our strong opposition to such interference and we will take firm actions in response. That's why there are some intelligent generals who might be hawks, unlike these Congress people who just can vote any disgusting thing they want and get away with it. They're the ones who hopefully are going to call the Chinese and say, look, we got crazy people in this government. We know you are not trying to invade the United States. And we do know our government is trying to invade you. And we know that if we do, there's going to be a nuclear war the scale of which nobody has ever comprehended, and we want to avoid that. And it may be, after all is said and done, after all the organizing, which we do, that's a critical. This article is so important, Marcy, because it just may be that the only forces that can stop this war are the generals, only because they realize this is one of the few wars they can't win. And, or one of the many wars they can't win. Well, except, wait, I want to say again. I don't agree, because they won in Afghanistan, meaning they just created hell for people, and they killed all those people. Now, the fact that they got out and didn't so-called win their objectives doesn't matter. They created 20 years of genocide, and then they get out, and they say, oops, sorry. And then Biden is under a lot of pressure yeah. uh, from the Democrats because, oh, you know, somebody got didn't get out in time. And the Democrats are not even supporting Biden. You know, right. whereas... yeah, I mean, we have a, a very right-wing Senate. Uh, but I think you'll appreciate my tweet to uh, the Joint Chiefs, if, I, if I'm allowed to read it. Yeah, sure. I'm sure they couldn't wait. Thank you, General Mark Milley, for averting war with China and ensuring Trump did not launch a nuclear strike. When you've had enough of the military-industrial complex, join us at Code Pink. Best, Marcy. Well, that was great, Marcy. But in, t in case he doesn't, you could join Code Red at the, at the Strategy Center. Uh, anyway, the point is we're on the same side. We're doing, you're doing great anti-war work. But I want our listeners to understand something that, and this is, you know, since I am here too, that up until 1917, there was no ability for anyone to know what to do. I mean, people rose up, the uh, Haitian Revolution of 1793, rose up, and then Toussaint Louverture was brought to prison and killed in France, and Haiti has been paying reparations ever since. Transatlantic slave trade, no one could stop it. In 1917, the Russian people had a revolution, brought in a communist government. They got out of World War I, the first time a government ever just said, I'm not fighting in the war. Then the Soviet Union set up uh, a school for the Torahs of the East and brought 
revolutionaries from all over the world to be trained in the Soviet Union on how to have revolutions in their own country. The Soviet Union was the only country that stood up to Hitler when the United States did not want to. And after the war, the United States was the country that rehabilitated the Nazis and brought them back into power here, here and in Japan. So without the Soviet Union, without China, we've had no hope. And having been in the civil rights movement my whole life, it was only when the Soviet Union and China supported the civil rights movement that the United States began to move on it because they were afraid of losing in the Cold War. So what I'm trying to say to our listeners is war is always horrible, but the United States better know that this is not a war it wants to fight, and this is not a war it can win meaning it's not going to create genocide against other people. It may lead to mutually assured destruction, which is why the generals on both sides are, especially in the United States, circumvent their own ruling class, including the question is, will they also do it for Biden? So That is a good question. And I, you know, I would encourage people to weigh in, and there are lots of different ways to weigh in, right? I mean, you could... Mm-hmm. Write directly to the State Department, to the to the White House. You can write op-eds. Uh, you can demonstrate in front of a congressperson's office who votes to increase the military budget or votes for these horrific bills that militar- further militarize the South China Sea. I mean, I do want to encourage people to take action. Absolutely, That's absolutely. Like, throw up their arms. But also, if if we have no, time, we have time. Talk about the election. Yeah, today. please. So so. Uh, I'll come back with another idea what to do, but this is great, Morrissey, which is I want you on the show. Uh, now let's take us to uh, – let's be clear on the on the uh, show that the, uh, the hosts do not take a position on things, but our guests are certainly able to. So, Marcy, why is it critical in the next – the polls call it eight, is that correct? Because I've, I've already mailed in my ballot and so is Channing. But – why is it not just important for the individual people to vote, but why that consciousness about this vote is so important? So in that what you wrote me is so persuasive, why don't you go ahead? Sure. Thank you so much. Uh, the reason why I think it's critical that anyone who considers themselves an anti-fascist vote in this right. election, vote no on the recall, is because, number one, this is an entirely undemocratic process. I mean, the state of California, we have to overturn this, this uh, process. Basically, uh, if Gavin Newsom doesn't get 50% plus one of the vote, any one of the 40-odd co- candidates Larry Elder, the Republican Trump fan, being the leading one, who gets the most votes. I mean, they could win with 10% of the vote. That's right. And, and that is the most undemocratic process I can think of. Uh, and then we're stuck with somebody who's going to roll back all sorts of reforms that Gavin Newsom has supported. Uh, please don't misunderstand me. You know, I'm not here to say that I agree with everything that Gavin Newsom has done. You know, what we pushed hard for him to support single-payer health care, and we have yet to see that, and we will continue to push him on that. But there are some very real accomplishments of his administration, and I just want to, if you if you will, give, give your audience some ideas about what has happened. So first of all, you know, when he came into to office, one of the first things he did was sign an executive order to uh, impose a moratorium on the death penalty. Right. You know, that's, that's amazing. That's amazing, right? Um, he banned fracking beginning in 2024. 
I don't think that Larry Elder is going to do that. He denied 21 additional fracking permits this summer, signed an executive order making California the first state to ban the sale of new fossil fuel-powered cars by 2035. Uh, there's, a, there's a whole list. He moved ahead with closing two state prisons. That's huge in a state that's, uh, you know, the state of mass incarceration. He expanded uh, signature anti-poverty programs, doubling the size of California's earned income tax credit, which sends cash to low-wage workers. He expanded early childhood education, so every four-year-old, have a grandchild is four, in California can wow. attend transitional kindergarten. In 2025, he approved universal school lunch that starts in 2022, uh, expanded Medi-Cal for undocumented residents, and he did enact a form of rent control. In the early months of the pandemic, Newsom also launched Project Room Key that spent federal money on acquiring vacant hotel rooms to convert them into temporary shelter for the homeless. Uh, there's so many commissions, also the State Lands Commission, the Coastal Commission, Calsters, that he, that a governor has the uh, power to appoint, and which really do make a difference in terms of our environmental uh, situation, in terms of uh, pension money, all sorts of ramifications. Hold on just there, Marcy, because I know you... I know you even have more. I wanted to just comment on one thing you said that I think is really important, that, you know, the um, the referendum process is a flawed one, but at least it came out of some democratic theory, right, that people, you know, they want to have a chance. If, if the legislation won't pass anything, then you can. But this recall process of elected officials is very creepy, and as, a, as you began with, because... Um, Somebody gets elected. There's an election. Everybody gets excited about it. And then they go on their way, given the passivity of what's going on right now. I didn't even know how, you know, you should definitely have been the head of the recall campaign, the anti-recall campaign, because that's the best version I've heard of, <laughs> better than Gavin's done. But but let me go back to something. that. So then what happens, as they did with Schwarzenegger, is you take, in this case, uh, a more unpopular uh, elected official, you call a recall, but the same people who voted for him don't turn out in the same level. Right. And the people who hate his guts, the right wing, turns out and steals, essentially steals an election by saying if we get 50% plus one, then Schwarzenegger's governor. He doesn't have to run. How did he or, become... Or if you get 10%. If, right, right. If, if you get 50%, if, if you get 50% plus one, as he, I'm just repeating you... To recall um, any any governor, in this case Newsom, then that whole collection of vatos, uh, if you what you just said, you can have ten percent of the, of the fifty one percent, which is only five percent, right? And you become yeah, governor. I mean, that is scary. The bottom line is, you could get elected in California as governor with you know. 50 votes. <laughs> probably, it's probably not likely, but Very you don't need any sort of majority, uh, all you need to do is steal the election by running in it and uh, with people staying home, you're sitting on your couch, you're not voting because you're mad that Newsom closed some businesses during the pandemic. Uh, wait till you see what's coming down the pike. And it's not just what's happening in California. 
why this election is so critical and why I urge anyone who's listening to please get your ballot in. If you haven't voted yet, there are drop-off centers. You can go to locator.lavote.net. That's locator.lavote.net. And put your ballot in. It just has to be postmarked by today, by tonight. Uh, The bottom line is if somebody like Larry Elder, a Republican, took control of this state – and Diane Feinstein, our, one of our U.S. senators, who's 88 years old, right. she resigned during their tenure. You know that they're going to appoint a Republican. That's right. Throw the entire Senate into the hands of Donald Trump. Hold on just a second, Marcy. You're doing just you're hitting on all cylinders. Channing just wanted to come in, sure. and we'll keep going. Well, that's a that's a great point because I was going to say when I was looking at the election coverage when Donald Trump recently lost. I think for me, and I think for a lot of folks, it was scary for five days because in that they did not, they were still counting so many votes from a lot of the inner city, city centers where black and Latinx folks were coming in. Some of those states were very Republican until they counted every single one of those votes. Um, The other thing that I wanted to say is that you know, everyone said that Trump wasn't going to get in. I knew that from the first moment that he was on stage that he was going to get in. Oh, my God. Why is this guy running? And unfortunately, because he's so popular, he's going to get in. Because it's the U.S. imperialist genocide of white settlers. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, you know, the vote for everyone who thinks that their vote doesn't count, I think I would hope that we have all learned our lesson even just That's by good. looking at this vote count in the last round that it wasn't until every single vote was counted in Philadelphia that's that's right. that the entire state got flipped over to the Democrats, right? And that's it's the same right. thing here in California. You know, we, we, a lot of people think that California is so, what, uh, democratic and progressive. And I don't think Los Angeles is progr- that progressive by far. But everyone knows that Los Angeles is mostly going to come out as a democratic vote, right? Uh, everyone knows that Sacramento is going to come out as a Democratic vote. Oakland is going to come out as a Democratic vote. And if you don't get those three cities to overpower Bakersfield and everything in between, all the right-wing people, all the sundown towns in between, then you're going to lose the election. Absolutely. And, you know, I was just looking online before the show to see how many ballots have been returned. and the highest oh, Tell turnout, us, Marcy. The highest voter turnout is up near Shasta. Mount Shasta... Uh, almost 50%. That's, that's solid Republican territory. Right. Okay? Wow. Highest voter turnout. Lowest voter turnout throughout the state is in Latino communities. And uh, I'm afraid that yeah. a special election like this, it's, it's, it's a sleepy one, even though you know, we're pushing people to vote. People may say, oh, you know, I don't feel like it, or I'm busy, or Gavin Newsom isn't perfect, or I don't want to wear a mask. But look at who, who is coming our way, you know. It's somebody who has been blasting unit, uh, unions from day one, who uh, hates public education. The first thing that somebody like Larry Elder would do is uh, try to overturn legislation to protect the proliferation of charter schools, for-profit charter schools, who would uh, push a voucher plan so you could go to a religious school and that would count. You could use taxpayer money to go to a religious school. That's that's not right. 
Well, let me just keep going, Marcy, back and forth, because you're doing, you know, one thing I'll say about you is that, you know, I just always want you to be on my side, because <laughs> you're really I'm on your side. I know you are, but I'm Forever saying, I'm saying you're good at what you do, and the energy you bring is what a lot of people don't bring, Marcy, which is part of the reason why this is, but Channing, is, we, we are just involved in a fight, not just with Larry Elder, but tell us about what's going on at the school. LA School Board, totally related to what Marcy just said, and then we'll keep going with you, Marcy. Yeah, totally related to that. LAUSD was looking into a plan for something called student-centered funding, which is basically the voucher program light. Um, And what it meant is that students, their money would basically follow them like a backpack full of cash to the different schools that they're going to, right? Now, the problem with that is that we're in the in the time of the rise of uh, charter schools, where charter schools are literally taking students out of public schools. So, for example, there was a great article about Crenshaw High School saying, as an example, they don't even have enough students to actually fill their football team. So if student-centered funding went into play, for example, Crenshaw would stand to lose something like $700,000, which is almost... You know, I don't. I think that's probably something like fifty percent of their funding, right? And so it is a ploy to both defund the school, but mainly to also break apart Black and Latinx communities. Uh, exactly. Yeah, we have to oppose that. And I saw there was a, a protest at Dorsey High School the other day, which would also be impacted. Yeah, yeah I think I, a guy. I, I know a guy who spoke <laughs> at the rally. Yeah, I was there. I I told. I basically said to throw this racist piece of crap back into the racist bin that it came from. God, you, the way you people put the strategies in a talk, you know, I mean, God, <laughs> you're just so provocative. Like, what in the hell? Uh, one more thing we would get, you know, when Channing was talking about the California uh, geography of politics, you know, there's an old expression that says uh, Pennsylvania is... Um, Philadelphia and Pittsburgh and Mississippi in between, <laughs> you know. So, uh, that's right. So, with that, Marcy, want to go ahead? What are we? Uh, who do you know? Who's doing stuff to turn out the vote? And again, talk to our listeners again about the significance. Um, but who else do you know that's doing this work uh, in the next uh, four and a half hours? Uh, how do they uh, sure. go back with and some of the information you were giving again about how to vote online and all those things, okay? Okay, sure, yes. If you're in L.A. County and you want to turn in your ballot, there are a lot of uh, drop-off ballot boxes where you can do that, and you can find a list of them at locator.lavote.net. Thank it you. It also lists some, I think there are 200 voting centers that are open where you can vote in person. It's not too late. You can drop off your ballot any time before midnight tonight, as long as it's postmarked uh, by today. And the, the voting centers, if you want to go in, in person, they do close at 8 p.m. Why is it important? Well, first of all, do you want the Republicans to control the U.S. Senate? Exactly. Uh, is, that's that's what you're looking at. I mean, Diane Feinstein, she's 88. Odds are, I mean, if you, if you were going to go to Las Vegas, you'd probably bet the fact on the fact that she might not uh, she might not be in that seat that much longer. <laughs> right. I'm careful here. Right. Okay, so <clears throat> we don't want a, a Republican majority in the U.S. Senate. Beyond that, in California, uh, we know that Gavin Newsom is not perfect. Okay, hey, I understand. 
on the other on the other side on the other hand, we do also know that he has done a lot of what a Republican governor would never do in California. He immediately imposed a moratorium on the death penalty and banned fracking, denied 21 fracking permits just this summer alone, said every car that's sold in California beginning in 2035 cannot be a fossil fuel-powered car. He moved ahead with closing two state prisons, expanded anti-poverty programs, so beginning in 2022, every student in our school can get school lunch. He also expanded Medi-Cal for undocumented residents. He enacted a form of rent control, and the list goes on. Uh, please, this is a vote against fascism because, you know, they're, they're saying, the Democrats are saying that this is a Republican coup, and frankly it is. Because Republicans cannot take California any other way except through a totally undemocratic rigged process by where, by which uh, if a governor who's uh, being, you know, tested for a recall doesn't get 50% plus one, anyone, any other candidate who gets the most votes, regardless of what the percentage is, becomes the governor. That is a crazy, crazy situation, and, and we have to push back hard on that. And hold on, everybody. When this is all over. We have to overhaul the process. No, Marcy, this is great. So let me just do a couple of IDs here, and if you want to talk to Marcy and Channing and myself, you can call 818-985-5735. D'Angelo Jones will be taking your calls and helping us make it happen. 818-985-5735. You know, uh, you know, I've been on the, not just the left, but the, you know, the black and revolutionary left for most of my life. I'm a Jew from New York. I always want to make that clear, but I've been uh, I'm not the only Jew or white person in who's been in the black movement, the civil rights movement, their lives. Um, I've never been an abstentionist. You know, I uh, I hate, you know, organizing is always about choices. It doesn't mean that sometimes you may not consciously abstain from an election. I don't mean as a, as a specific political tactic at a given time. But the general idea of you know, I mean, black people, who, I mean, to understand that people have been denied the right to vote, to understand that after losing an election, what have the Republicans done? It's terrifying. They are going to deny everybody the right to vote in every state with, with racially and politically, demographically targeted rules, right? Uh, you also have a problem where the right wing right now is more organized and more energetic than the progressive movement. Uh, I agree. I know. agree, and I saw that, Eric, uh, with my own eyes in Santa Barbara recently, where Trump and elder fans came far and wide. I mean, there were hundreds of them who descended upon the courthouse. There were lots of us across the street or on the periphery with no on recall signs. But you are right. The far right, the fascists, Waving American flags, they are energized. Yeah, and Marcia, the thing I, you know, because uh, I don't want it to seem even, what I'm trying to say, cute. Your level of energy, and yeah, Code Pink's a Strategy Center and Black Lives Matter and a few others are needed to up the level of outrage because we've lost, just take a minute here, or let me take a minute, that I'm doing a lot of writing, I'm working on a book, forever, but I do plan to finish it. It's called In Search of the Revolution, 
the journey of a movement organizer. And it is a story not primarily of my life, but a story of U.S. history in which my life is situated. And one of the things that people have to understand is during the 60s, we were on the offensive. On the 60s, the right, they come out and protest our rallies, and we have 100,000 people, and they have 50 young Americans for freedom, and the damn press would still give them coverage. You know, I mean, I mean, they act like, well, there were two sides to the debate. Uh, mm-hmm. And what happened was that all the people who sounded like us, who were like us, have been murdered. If you see the film uh, uh, Judas and the Black Messiah, which we do plan to show at the film club at the Strategy Center soon, it's terrifying stuff about killing a Fred Hampton, you know, killing Martin Luther King, killing, yes, both Kennedys, killing Malcolm. There's right now in prison, not just Mumia Abu-Jamal, who's amazing, but Leonard Peltier is still in prison. So the people like me of my age, there's several hundred still in prison who will most likely die in prison so that the the energy that's needed to stand up to the fascists uh, and frankly the Democratic Party conciliating with that has put us in a very difficult position where the Democratic Party is not as effectively anti-fascist as the fascists are. So the fact that you, Marcy, keep talking about fascism, which a lot of people don't, 818-985-5735, that's what excited me about the that when I finally understood it, it didn't take a genius in the last election about how enthusiastic I was about my choice because I didn't give a damn what Biden and Harris said. You know, I mean, it's a united front against fascism and this these fascists are right at the door. That's right. So for those of you out there, this is what I'm trying to say within the limits, seriously, vote, just vote. We, you know, Marcy can say what to do. Vote I'm not telling. No. Uh, she can say <laughs> vote no. Recall, right, right. She says vote no, and I'm saying vote. But get out there. Do not think all these silly things like my vote doesn't count. Blah blah blah. First of all, it's a matter of your own principles and energy. It's not just does my vote count. It's your choice as a person. I mean, how can you say you know what I mean? Well. It'll win or lose without me. That's not the point. The point is that black people have died for the right to vote. The whole civil rights movement was about the right to vote. And then some people are sitting home going, well, you know, even like me, Gavin did this wrong and Gavin did this wrong and I don't like this about Gavin. Then you take a step back and go, wait a minute. Is this the point Right here? Is this the point, who you like and don't like? So... uh Mark. Yes, and I, I also think that when we make choices, Eric, uh, we have to think about it as uh, as saying everybody should make this choice. That's In other correct. Words, I make this choice. I am affirming this choice as the right choice for everybody. Um, otherwise, I think we're being disingenuous. Uh, uh, so what I'm saying no, is, that's good. if you don't vote, you're saying don't vote. Oh yeah, and that's not, and that, and that's a very dangerous. Wow, thing. yeah, that's a good, that's a good point. So you're essentially, wow, I've, you always learn stuff. So by not voting, you're essentially organizing a no, a no vote block, 
because you're... T- or, or, yes, a, a stay at home on the couch block. Yeah, yeah. that's what I mean. Uh, what I say, a no, don't... Well, go, I don't want to don't, confuse it because of the no on the recall. Yeah, no, I don't, I, right. I don't a stay on the couch, sit it out, caucus. And okay. your energy in, infects others, right? Your Thank negative you. energy or your positive, one positive yeah. energy. In, this is very interesting. Channing, where are you? I mean, my I'm at the point where it's the least that you can do. If you're saying that you have all these complaints about Gavin Newsom and then you don't go vote, it's not like you're getting out in the streets and going organizing with us. I have not seen you. So you should get your butt <laughs> off the couch and go vote. And I have That's a call right. from a friend of mine named Nancy in Brentwood. She's our, we know her well, and she's a very wise person. Uh, can we get her on? Hi, Nancy. Nice to hear from you. Well, I'm going to do a little organizing on the air, and I want everybody to listen carefully. I'm county chair of the Peace and Freedom Party here in Los Angeles, and our position is to vote no. Everybody hear this. We're, we're not the Democrats. We're not the Republicans. We say vote no for the reasons that have already been given on this show. He's done a few good things, but if, we, if, if he loses what few things he has done, like the fracking and the you know shutting down prisons and stuff, are going to go by, the, are going to disappear, and it's going to be a nightmare. So everybody get out there. And because Thank this you. is what capitalism and imperialism does, it's like a two-headed tapeworm, and it's gobbling everything up. So we had to stop this and start by voting no, and then we are we got our struggle ahead of us. Thanks, Nancy. Thank you, and I, I want to just add, uh, as long as we're sure, sure, please. Action, and I agree with that call. Uh, let's call our congressperson, write them, and say vote no on the next military budget. This That's record right. high. $760 billion plus military budget that's going to fund $44 billion for nuclear weapons, a new generation of warheads 20 times to 100 times more powerful than the U.S. atomic uh, bombs we dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. I mean, there's so many reasons that we need our representatives to vote no on this military budget. So please, if you're listening, do that. Thank you. And I want to add a point, and then we'll just go, like, round table again, 818-985-5735. Um, it's way beyond the scope of this radio show for almost anybody to understand what I'm saying. We can understand it but not do it. But the future of the anti-war movement is going to be, in my opinion, rooted in what I call institutional counter-hegemonic organizing, what I mean by that is um, I was involved in one of the early, early anti-Vietnam War protests, um, and others were way ahead of us. But I was at the 1965 SDS March on Washington against the war in Vietnam. It just felt hopeless. It just it was almost beyond of uh, the murder, the napalming, the mass murders, the body counts. But what we did, because we're organizers, is we went into every school we were in, every hospital, every union, every church, and we formed a social justice group, and we started calling for votes inside the church. Mm-hmm. Now you'd say, well, why would you call for a vote if it's going to go 80-20 the other way or 90-10? 
because we established the idea that the church was a legitimate place to have this conversation. And once you established that, there was, you know, um, I still remember uh, it's 1966, and I was uh, in New York City uh, with my first wife, Nancy, and we were looking for all the groups that we were going to march with. This was on Fifth Avenue. And I swear 500,000 people came. I, I don't remember the exact number. But what it was great about, it would say, SEIU Local 424 Against the War. And there would be 25 people. Then it would say, Nurses Against the War, Psychiatrists Against the War, Harlem Against the War, South, you know, South Bronx Against the War. Each group organized. I thought, well, wait a minute. First they got 25, 50, some out of 100, some out of 200. But that means every one of those people got on a bus today. Every one of those people must have organized somebody else. Somebody got the sandwiches. Somebody got the food. You know what I mean? I thought, this is not just right to Congress people. These are people who are building an institution inside the institution that's for the war. So when we didn't have teachers against the war, as you all know, Marcy, the teachers' unions back then, were led by Al Shanker, were vociferously for the war in Vietnam, but teachers against the war grew and grew and grew, and out of that even came some insurgencies to change the unions, not just... So what I'm getting to is the strategy... You're speaking as as an experienced organizer, Eric, and I I appreciate every word uh, of what you have to share because what we need are social justice committees student-organized social justice committees in all of our schools. Because as you said, you know, you're pushing back within an institution, and it's often not one single issue. It, then it spreads, it, it multiplies, it's amplified, and consciousness is raised across the board. And so if you're a teacher listening, maybe you want to sponsor a social justice committee or a Code Pink chapter or a strategy center chapter. I think that, that would be a great idea. And, and can I yeah, please, please, of course, no. Marcy, of course. Okay. And then we'll okay. go to Channing. Because, no, take your time. There's <laughs> called Voices from the Front Lines. You sure. got the voice. <laughs> Uh, as long as I have the microphone. I, I'm also involved in another organizing campaign, and that is with teachers throughout the state of California. Uh, we are organizing, we have organized a group called CTA Divest. CTA stands for the California Teachers Association. Right, exactly. This is a huge engine, right? We're talking about 310,000 members, 1,000 chapters from Ukiah to Coronado. Right. Uh, helped establish public education and protect public education in California all these years. And yet, uh, our organization, our union, has yet to support divestment from fossil fuels, let alone the military-industrial complex, okay? So when you look at our teacher pension in California, our CalSTRS pension, you're looking at a uh, 410, about 410, I think, a billion dollar... Oh, I know. Uh, organization, a portfolio. And of that, you probably have about $6 billion directly invested in the oil industry, $16 billion in, in delivery systems. We're talking about $108 million in Enbridge that's building Line 3, contaminating indigenous land in northern Minnesota. You're talking about $400 million in Exxon that's building its biggest oil drilling project ever to pollute the rainforest in Guyana. You're talking about $300 million for Chevron to launch 25 new oil drilling projects. So we say CTA divest. We want CTA, the California Teachers Association. Hello? Yes. You're still there, Mark. Okay, to 
to take a stand and say we want Calisters to divest now, not 30 years from now, which is the, the position the Calisters board has taken. So if you're a teacher and you're listening, sign up at ctadivest.org. Well, if it's okay, just one thing, I'll go to you, Channing. I mean, Marcy, that's exactly the concept. And the one thing I want you to even understand, Marcy, is that the elected officials, they if they see in their district, even if they have the majority, that those damn anti-war people are in the unions now, they're in the schools, I'm being called not by isolated individuals, but... You know, a principal of a school joins the movement, which is very gutsy. One principal shifts the whole conversation. One uh, minister first standing up against the war. When that happened, it was so heavily suppressed because once one minister stands up and then two, then there's a debate among the ministers. And even if the system almost always wins the debate, which at the end they didn't, that's the point— as they would say, you communists are setting up a beachhead in every organization in the United States. We said, look, don't don't overstate it. We'd like to be that. We're not. But we are good at what we do, and we are building a beachhead in your own institutions. And just one more thing. <clears throat> if you're good, see, Marcy, you have a lot of facts. See, what you just did, we try to train our organizers, seek truth oh. from facts. That was from this guy mouths Mao tongue, by the way. But right. the the point is... You're in a union. People like you. They respect you, hopefully. You're a good soul. But they have a different point of view. And you stand up, as you just did, and have the facts. And you say, do you know what CalSTRS is doing? And you go through the drawing on indigenous land. And then people still vote for it. But privately, they say she had a damn good point. And, yeah, I'm, and, and I'm worried. Not only morally indefensible, right. it's and, also fiscally right. irresponsible. But, the oil but, industry is a dying and deadly industry. But I'm, going to, I'm going to a different point, leaving that aside, that even on things like Jim Cramer's Mad Money, which is an investment show I listen to, he said the young stockbrokers will not touch fossil fuel because hmm. none, none of the young people want to hold that stuff. Isn't that amazing? The stockholders, yeah. the stockbrokers are saying, I will not know. In my portfolio, there's none of this and none of that. So it's just the other side of it. It's, it's many areas of hope in the middle of despair. So I think the Cal uh, CTA thing is great. Channing, what are you doing to make the world better? So sorry, my phone, I think it's running out of gas. <laughs> no, you don't. It's not running on gas, I hope. No, running out, you know. You know. <laughs> <laughs> it's a joke, Marcy. It's a joke. 818-985-5735. You're doing great, Marcy. Hold on. Channing, what's up? Well, what you guys were just talking about reminded me that we formed the L.A. County 2nd District Civil Rights Council, and you can learn more about that at the civilrightscouncil.com, which was a committee that came together to call on Holly Mitchell to fight for fairless transportation. And I think it's done pretty well. Uh, the last thing I want to get in in like two minutes is that at the LUSD. No, take your time, please. Um, you know, there's another motion being brought up by Dr. McKenna to basically roll back a lot of the victories from 
I almost said 1920s. That's funny. From 2020 and 2021, that basically moved to uh, spend about $93.5 million on black students, uh, remove all school police from campuses, and defund the LA school police by 35%. And his motion is in front of the board today to basically say that uh, schools should have their own choice to decide what safety is, meaning bring the police back. Um, and it's scary because the the actual text of what they should do is very general. It just says schools should have their own choice to do whatever they like to do in terms of safety. But then he has, all, like, I kid you not, like 15 whereases, whereas the LAPD or the police provide safety, whereas, I mean, all these disgusting things. And so that is one thing I just want to throw in there that folks should know is happening as well today. Channing, so, before uh, where hold can we on, go Marcy. And find these action alerts, you know. Yes. Call George McKinnon's office. Yeah. Oh, good. Thanks, Marcy. You know, take take action. Yo, how do we reach you, Channing? Seriously, and and are, do we put out action alerts like Marcy's saying? How do we uh, get someone like Marcy, who's already a friend of the Strategy Center, or other friends? What, what are you doing? I mean, you're doing some amazing work. Explain how you're trying to get the word out. Uh, we're trying to build up our mailing list tremendously and you can sign up for a mailing list at in I'm sorry www.thestrategycenter.org as the main drive of how we're getting information out um, but yes we also do send out action alerts and alerts on our Instagram channel our Twitter channel and our Facebook channel we have not been able to do that for this particular motion because it came up so last minute but we tend to do that and how do they tell us about Instagram and um how, how you find us and stuff. Sure. Thank you. At uh, Instagram and Twitter, our handle is at Fight Soul City. So you can type in either uh, Twitter.com or Instagram.com and then slash Fight Soul Cities, and our profile will come up. Uh, same thing for Facebook. Facebook, it is at Bus Riders Union. So you type in Facebook.com slash Bus Riders Union. And in fact, you actually don't have to have a social media account to see any of our updates on any of those channels. You can simply hit dismiss whenever they say to sign in, and you can still look at every single article, every single post that we have. So we want you... You, You've been so successful, and uh, you have such a well-crafted template for organizing. I, I encourage all listeners to join in your Strategy Center campaigns. Thank you. Well, thank thank you, Marcy, and and the, of course. And can I share how to get in touch with? Uh, of course, of course. Okay, sure. Well, by all means, please sign up at codepink.org. Join us as we we launch this new effort to cut the Pentagon. Uh, on the first and third Tuesday of the month, we have Code Pink Congress, where we often have members of Congress from the Congressional Progressive Caucus join us, as well as other others who may be experts on different aspects of U.S. foreign policy. Our next Tuesday, you can sign up codepink.org backslash codepinkcongress. Representative Barbara Lee will be joining us. She is co-chair of the House Defense Spending Reduction Caucus. So she'll be talking about the military budget we anticipate. The NDA is called, uh, may be voted on as soon as the end of September, although probably in October. So those are some uh, some links. Uh, You can also join, if you're a teacher, 
ctadivest.org. And I'm also working with Veterans for Peace. We have a climate militarism group. You can just site search it on the Internet. And Barbara Lee will be introducing a resolution saying, uh, recommending that all, all uh, Pentagon activities have their greenhouse gas emissions made transparent. Hold it right there, Marcy. Marcy, Marcy, it's the last two minutes, so... Okay, Pentagon's the biggest funder, biggest institutional emitter of greenhouse gas emissions, so that that also has to be centered in the conversation about climate. So everybody, uh, you've listened, this is Voices from the Front Lines, and I want to end by saying this, that... uh, it's not just Marcy said you should get involved with the Strategy Center. The Strategy Center said you should get involved with Code Pink. This is more the kind of movement-building uh, dynamics, emotions that we're trying to do. Uh, please uh, also go on Voices for Eric at VoicesFromTheFrontlines.com. Send us an email and let us know you're listening. Uh, info at thestrategycenter.org and go on thestrategycenter.org right to... We need you to register and get these emails like we just put out today. And finally, vote. Um, vote. We vote. Vote no on the recall. I say vote, and she said what she said. Um, <laughs> the thing, we, we think there's been a really wonderful conversation about in every single one, if you look at, if you did one-tenth of what Channing's doing and one-tenth of what uh, Marcy's doing, you'd be exhausted. But at least you could do it. So get out there and do something, okay? That's the... Work for peace. Work yes. for peace. And justice. And work for the black nation. So with yeah. that, Channing, you get the last word, and we're going out. Thank you, D'Angelo Jones. Check out all our past shows on VoicesFromTheFrontlines.com. And as always, we want to hear from you, Eric, at VoicesFromTheFrontlines.com and Channing at thestrategycenter.org. And we'll see you next week. All power to the people. All power to the people. Thanks, Marcy. Thanks, Channing. Take good care of yourselves, everybody. And every highway and more, much more than this, I did my way.